for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. So this morning, I'm going to talk about healthy habits. I'm going to talk about three things in our lives that are very, very important to make sure that they're right in order for us to live healthy lives. We're talking about healthy church this year, and being healthy, we're going to grow because healthy things grow. If you see a tree that is sick, it can't bear fruit. It needs to be healthy, so our lives need to be healthy. In the first area of our lives we talked about a couple of weeks ago, It's having the right heart before God. Make sure that our heart is in the right place. Make sure that it's not sick and that it's not overwhelmed with sin or religion and falsehood. So the hearts are open before God. So when the Holy Spirit comes and fills our hearts, it will flow through our lives and impact other lives. Amen? So we're just going to keep checking our hearts. Not having a divided heart between the world and God. It's a full submission and full surrender to God. Um, we need to be passionate. Talked about that. Because passion is driven by love. That's what drives it. And passion is important because it indicates what we really love. Last week we shared about um, God being worthy of it all. Pastor Ashley shared here, I shared a Gawler at Salisbury. Number two, it's having the right response. So having the right heart, having the right response. You know, some people treat God like the man upstairs, a big G. It's so impersonal. People lost the reverence and awe and wonder about God. There needs to be a healthy fear in our lives about this mighty God. So God is kind and patient and generous and loving and gentle with us, but he's also a mighty God that deserves honor and praise. He's a consuming fire. You know, at the end times, God will judge the world, and the most terrifying thing that can ever happen to the world is the wrath of God being poured out on the world, all the anger. But God is relenting because he's patient and kind, and his kindness leads to repentance because he doesn't want nobody to perish. And we need to be having the right response of understanding who are we worshipping. We can't treat God like just a buddy. He's the almighty God. Amen? So God is not only our creator, he's also a sustainer of our being. To honor God means to give him the regard, respect, reverence, adoration, admiration, awe, praise, submission, and obedience, which are due to his name. To honor God means to worshiping with all our attitudes, affections, and actions, with everything from within us, because of both of who he is and what he has done. He's our creator, sustainer, and redeemer. Our very breath and life comes from God. Friends, even if Jesus just died on the cross for our sins, that's enough to worship for rest of our lives, if he doesn't do anything else, he saves us from being 
perishing from an eternity brought us into life. That deserves worship and praise and adoration and glory and honor. Not how we feel. People say, that, oh, the worship didn't really touch me this morning. I didn't really like the songs. I said, I'm sorry, but the worship is not about you. It's about Jesus. The people praise God from their hearts. That's what matters. Pouring our hearts out to him. You know, people have their favorite worship leaders and favorite preachers and favorite this and favorite car park, favorite seats, favorite baristas. We made it all about ourselves. We need to get off the throne, let Jesus sit on the throne so we bow down to him and worship his holy name. It's not about us. It's about him. So we need to give worship and honor to where it's due, to our God. So we need to be keep checking our hearts of a spiritual inner condition of our being. Where are we at? And if we can't experience God and his presence, there's something wrong. What's going on? We have to ask ourselves a question. Why am I in despair? Why am I not excited and passionate about things of God? What has gone wrong with, with me and my walk with God? Have I become religious? Have I just gone through the motions? So we need to ongoing check, make sure that we are okay. Why am I not excited about worshiping God? He did everything for me. And we're just there like, that doesn't move me. What's going on within? What has gone wrong? We sang the song about the first love, returning to the first love. Remember, when you first received Jesus, how excited we were. And hungry and passionate. And along the way, things happen. We get hurt. We need to make sure that our hearts are right before God. And our worship is right. In in Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Everything wants to creep in. The devil just does things to creep in and to overwhelm and rubbish our lives. In Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus constantly. Not magnifying the problems in our lives, magnifying the Lord and the problems become small. What people do, they just magnify the problems and God is so small. How big is your God? And we just reduce him to think, oh, what can God do in this situation? Let me fix it. God is mighty God. You think about everything that he created, the universe. Friends, everything runs as it should since the creation of the world. Yes, the world, the world is full of sin and wickedness and pollution. That's true. But things are still running according to God's plan. The sun rises, the rain comes, the dew, the seasons happen. Everything is running according to God's plan. And we need to remember, remind ourselves, hey, God is on his throne. He's in control. We need to praise and worship his holy name. And Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand, the throne of God. Our mighty God. In Hebrews 13.5, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. And not only this, the lip service, but the heart. 
God wants to worship us in his spirit and in truth. Our whole being is involved in lifting up his holy name. Not religion and pretending. So we make sure that we are right. Number three is having the right mission. What's your mission in life? What do you get up in the morning excited about? What's your drive? We need to be missional. See, God has set us free. He rescued us because he loves us. And he brought us into his kingdom and he brought us into his family. And as we worship and glorify him, he's got a mission for us. So we need to make sure that we are people who have a mission in us. That we're thinking of the outside people who are perishing and wasting away. That we don't just make it all about ourselves. Because God also wants to reach people who are lost. And he's going to reach them through us, through his church. So that needs to be a part of our lives, continuous thinking and praying for opportunities. So we have a healthy balance. We have the right heart. We have the right response of worshiping God. But we also have the mission to go and preach the good news to people who are in darkness. That's what God has called us to do. That's what this church is for. That's why we're here. Otherwise, Jesus would have taken us to heaven straight away. We have a job to do. Be active in your faith. Don't make it all about ourselves and our comfort. God does bring comfort. He's a God of comfort. But if we make it all about that, how it feels for me, ticks all the boxes, right temperature, right worship, right seats, right? We just kind of lost it. We lost the awe and wonder. Become religious. So church needs to be missional. Thank God that this church is missional. Seeking to save the lost. Not just here, but also going overseas. Think of the lost. Pray for opportunities. In Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's a parable of the lost sheep. Leave the 99. Maybe we want so much of God to bring his goosebumps and comfort and all that. We think, like, oh, we want to experience more. But what for? What are we going to do with it? What do we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit unless we're going to go out and reach the lost? We just have experience after experience. Yeah, I bless you. You bless me. Oh, you come over, I'll feed you, you feed me. There are people out there that need Jesus. And we need to think outside. We need to pray for opportunities. God, I pray for opportunities today. Bring people my path. Grant me boldness to step out of my comfort zone. To share the good news. Jesus said, how valuable the lost are to Christ. That's why God's not coming back yet. Jesus is not coming back here because he wants many to come into his kingdom. He doesn't want them to perish. See, you are valuable to him. But so are those outside of these walls. Jesus loves them. He died for them as well. See, every believer needs to be seeking for opportunity to witness to others. Friends, this is not a condemnation message. This is just the reality of Christian walk. This is what God has called us to. And we need to have the healthy 
balance in our lives. We need to think about the lost constantly and pray for them. Now, we can't save anybody. Don't think about doing it in your own strength. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Heaven rejoices when one sinner gets saved. Do you know there was a party in heaven when you got saved? The angels rejoiced. There's a party in heaven going on all the time when one sinner comes from death to life. In Luke 15, 10 says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. See, when you heart is right and when your worship is right your mission will be obvious I believe because God will move your heart if he has your heart he'll remove your heart if we're doing out of religious duty responsibility is not going to work that's why the heart and love is so important and make sure that we are healthy In Matthew 9, 37, 38 says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into his harvest. Who is the laborers? We are. See, we want experts to do it. Let the experts do it. Who are the experts? Friends, there is no experts. There's just the ordinary people like you and me. Sure, there are people who have got evangelistic gifts, but even if they don't exercise the gift, they're not going to do nothing. Jesus used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He picked the disciples who had no idea, a fisherman, tax collectors, nobodies, anointed with his Holy Spirit and his power. And look what they've done. They transformed the world. Just an ordinary people, you and me. That's enough for God. Think you're not enough? It's a lie. You're enough. If you have Jesus in you, what more do you want? You have the Holy Spirit. God Almighty. What more do we want? See, according to the statistics, most Christians never lead someone to Christ. The sad fact is that only one in ten believers have ever led someone to Christ in their entire lives. Now, these statistics are from the States, but I think it's talking about all as a population. 90% of Christians keep their faith to themselves, which is never what God has intended. It's a sad fact. See, Christianity, it's not a secret religion. I just keep it to myself. Jesus didn't say that. Go to all the world, preach the gospel. It's not going to light up the lamp and just hid her under the bowl. No, he wants to light it up. He wants to light it up his church, light up his people, shine the light in the darkness, be a salt, flavor, make a difference. That's what we're here for. I got a friend in Perth who got saved some 25 years ago, and he was a he had a troublesome life. He grew up in dysfunctional family and he hadn't had, didn't have a father and he turned to drugs at an early age and hang out with wrong crowds and end up in a lot of troubles in his life. And he was a broken, angry man. He was sharing accommodation with two other guys. 
at the time and he was so desperate and broken. He was on drugs and, and when he went to gym, he met this guy. He was just praying for opportunities to witness to people and he shared the gospel with him. He got saved. Amazing transformation of his life from death to life, literally. He became a passionate Christian, witnessing to everybody. But you know the saddest part about our story is when he shared with these two guys that were living with him about his salvation and how he came to Jesus, they says, oh, yeah, we know. We, we've been Christians for years. He's like, what? He says, yeah, we, we're going to church when we can, when we're not too busy. <laughs> and he's like, you've been Christians for years. You never told me. And here I am perishing in my life. You never told me about this love of Jesus that I can have. How sad is that? He says, oh, we told you you weren't interested. This is not in tune with the Holy Spirit. It took a man who's been seeking to do God's will. And God used somebody who was available to preach the gospel. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's what we're waiting for, fulfillment of people coming to God's kingdom and then Christ will come back. Then the gospel needs to go to the ends of the earth. In Romans 10, 14 to 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe to him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And we've got to ask ourselves, what's stopping us? I think number one is fear. It's the fear that the enemy uses. Like, uh, the enemy comes and stands against because he's not going to go and let souls just walk in God's kingdom. It's a wrestle, it's a battle, it's the prayer. We're going to walk with authority. We have authority in Christ. It's like, get behind me, Satan. I'm here about to preach the gospel. So we need to overcome the fear. The love overcomes the fear. Another one is the shame. People are ashamed. Afraid. It's not cool these days to talk about Christianity or Jesus. That's how devil wants it, to shut the voices down. But the message hasn't changed. The message still works. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. Still need to preach the gospel. Share the good news. In Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When I first became a Christian, I was working in this big factory and my life literally came from death to life. I was so lost. Came out of war and my heart was so broken and Jesus came, set me free, lift the weight off of my life. Brought freedom to me. So I wanted to tell everybody. So I shared and witnessed the gospel. And at this place, we had these two Christians. And they were so annoyed with me. Because I was preaching to everybody. 
says, oh, you're too much. You're so loud. You just... And I'm thinking, these people are perishing. They've got no idea. People are getting convicted. But there was, I was annoying to them because they just wanted to be undercover Christians and I'm spoiling their little comfort thing that they're going on there. I was so annoyed. <laughs> I worked there for so many years. They never told me nothing about Jesus. I don't want to judge. And God loves them. I know he does. But Jesus wanted to touch my life. And man had to come from Perth to preach the gospel to me because he was willing. In Matthew 10, 16 says, Behold, I am sending you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The world out there is an ugly place. People are angry. They don't even know why they're angry. There's lots of issues. They've got no idea. They will attack you. They will mistreat you. But they they don't know what they're doing. Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So we should not be put off by people's anger. And maybe those ones that are most angry are probably the closest ones to come to Jesus. I get it. Not everybody can do street preaching and visiting prisons and going to rehab centers. And but however, we can all be effective in evangelism. So just got to have five points to, about effective evangelism. Number one is hospitality. It's deliberate and strategic. We've got a couple in our church. Some of you know them, Rod and Lynn Venables. They're so good at this. You know, they just build such a connection with their neighborhood on most of the street. They're just uh, even having a barbecues together with their neighbors. On one stage, they have a prayer meetings with their neighbors. There's a couple of them are Christians, but not most of the others are not. During the COVID time, they went and knocked on all the neighbors in the street doors and said, look, Rod said, I'm retired. I have a time if you need medicine, or if you get stuck with COVID, I would love to go and do a shopping for you, and just as simple things as that. And you know, people are so appreciated, some people sold their homes and moved to different areas, but they still ring them and keep in touch with them. Simple as that, hospitality. The second one is relationship. See, evangelism is not mechanical, it's relational. And especially in Australia, you need to Build connections and relationships with people. My wife's so good at this. She, at the sports, where the kids play sports, she just make an effort to get, connect with other people who are just non-Christians. At our schools or every opportunities we have. People that have nice gardens, she <laughs> talks with them and now she's going to these seminars about how to, yeah, <laughs> grow your garden. But, it's, it's, you know, sometimes we just surround ourselves with all the Christians, Christian friends. We have no touch with the world at, at all. We need to be deliberate. We need to be where and have connections with people who are sinners so we can have opportunity to share the gospel with them. It needs to be on our mind. According to the study, a relationship with a Christian is the number one reason why people gravitate towards Christianity. 
nine out of 10 people, young and old, trace their faith to another person they know. It's how I came. Now my story, this man come and knocked on my door and he's kept coming for months. At first I was angry with him and annoyed, but then he just didn't give up. Just keep coming. And I just started liking him. I'm thinking, oh. Just changed the anger within me. And then eventually gave my heart. Persistent. Knows, you know what? I'm here about God's business. God can save this hard soul. He can rescue this sinner. And he just keep praying and coming and playing his part and asking Holy Spirit. And I gave in. <laughs> here I am. The hard nut got cracked. Thank you, Jesus. Number three is integrity. See, the integrity is a baseline for good evangelism. Can't just tell people about Jesus and then live in such a way they're like, yeah, I don't know. If you swear and curse and you fly off the handle at work and you just like the worldly people and they say, oh, Jesus, you know, if you come to Jesus, you, this awesome thing will happen. They're like, eh. It doesn't match. We need to have integrity. We need to do what we say. Because we lose the credibility. Number four is the message sharing. Preach the gospel and since they're indispensable, use words. You know, somebody said, I can't remember who it was, that we need to live life in such a way that we don't need to speak or just witness to them. I think that's true to some extent, but then anybody can do that. Like all the nice people out there can do that. We need to tell people, hey, you're a sinner. You need to repent of your sins. In, I'm not saying straight away, but you know, after a while. But that's the reality. We've sinned against God. We need to repent. We need to surrender to God. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to come to his kingdom. We need to preach the good news. We need to use the words. Number five, we need to be church-based. You know, people want to do evangelism and they fly off the church, out of the church and do their own thing and then it doesn't work after a while because you need a team. You need the family. It takes the family to raise disciples. The evangelist gift is amazing, but you need the pastors. You need people with mercy. We need patient people with them. We catch the fish, but somebody needs to clean it. Because evangelists will bring you to Jesus, but he also drive you nuts. <laughs> so you need everybody as a body, as a church, together. But I think we all need to seek and ask for opportunities. It might look different for different people, but the same goal. Let's bring people to Jesus. Be a bringer. Be an Andrew. What I mean by that in John 1, 4, 42 says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. See, you might not have all the answers. You might 
not feel as comf- comf- confident as some people, but you can bring people to introduce. Bring them to somebody who can explain. He says, I don't know that, what that means, but I, can I make a time for you to catch up with my friend who's like Joe? <laughs> It's like Encyclopedia Botanica. <laughs> he can deal with some of these issues. Be an Andrew. When we did a, a Franklin Graham's uh, outreach in Adelaide just a few years ago, that was their theme, be an Andrew. Bring people. Hundreds of people got saved as a result. In John 1.46, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. So I highlighted this word, come and see. People have preconceived idea about church, how boring and irrelevant it is. Come and see. You know, God doesn't exist. Well, come and see. Let's pray. Come and see. See, the torch of faith is passed from believer to believer. That's how God works. We really need to get these three areas right in our lives. We need to have a right heart. Because if something's gone wrong there, we need to get healthy, get help, get right with God. We need to have a right response. Our worship, our adoration, our awe, our fear of Almighty God. It's a healthy thing. It's a proper. You know, when you get closer to God, you realize His love and joy and peace, but you also you just realize how small we are, how mighty God is. He just draws you to your knees. No words, just, just praising Him. You are holy, my God. Who am I? You saved me. So people said, oh, if God is so loving, why does he let these things happen? Why does there so much of this in the world? I'm thinking, why does God give us chance at all? Why doesn't he just clean this mess? <laughs> but he doesn't because he loves people. He loves us. So patient. What I want to do, I just really want us to pray. I want us to do business with God. You might be like just a quieter person, you might be, but I believe God wants to use everybody to reach the lost. And we just shared some of the areas we can be effective in. I think for us, I, th- I think the time is coming and the things will change in the world. But people get sick and tired of the things of the world. There's so much lies and deception out there. The people will start turning their hearts to God again. But it will require a church whose passionate love of Jesus, full of grace and kindness. And when people come and God brings them in, we need to prepare our hearts and be ready to be uncomfortable for Jesus. It's not about us and our comfort. I think the church has just been made to be in entertainment centers and comfort seekers Smorgasbord Christianity, fair weather Christianity. We need to get this right, church. We need to get this right. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, if that's okay.
just want us to prepare and ready our hearts just for us boldly with openness say God here I am use me and don't be afraid it's exciting there's nothing more exciting than leading people to Jesus it's the most rewarding thing you can do and in the church when people coming and getting saved it changes the whole environment it brings so much joy and excitement. So I'm just going to let this guy to lead us, guys lead us in the song. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.